Welcome, everyone, to Inspect Element. This show is put on by members of the Web Development and Design Club, which is also known as the WebD2 Club. Whether you are already in or are thinking of a career in web development, or want to pick up a few helpful tidbits as a hobby or just for fun, this broadcast is for you. Hi, my name is Rich. And my name is Tiffany, and this is Inspect Element. Today's topics will be Five-Year-Old Boy Discovers Xbox Live Security Flaws. Tetris Played on a 29-Story Building. Five Tips to Make Your Website Convert More Visitors. How Color Affects You. What Science Reveals. A Report on the Impact of Social Media. Trends in Web Development for 2014. Smartphones Beating TV. And Google Sites Offers Automatic Mobile Rendering. So, on to my topic, which is the five-year-old boy. Apparently, there's a five-year-old named Christopher Von Hassel. Well, I first heard this in IGN, and right now I'm looking at the Economics Times. So this five-year-old boy named Christopher Von Hassel from San Diego, who is, well, I already say he's five years old, managed to bypass security through Xbox Live. And here's what he has to say. I got nervous. I thought I was, he, was, he was going to find out. Christopher was, quote, saying in the news station. And his father, Robert Davis, asked Christopher how he was doing it. Basically, he showed his father when he typed the wrong password in his father's account. It clicked to, be, it clicked to a password verification screen. And then by typing in space keys, then hitting enter, Christopher was able to get through the, through the back door of the security. So then, Microsoft have to came up with a fix and then acknowledged Christopher on their website, a list of security researchers, to help make Microsoft online surface, services more secure. And Microsoft said in a statement that they're always listening to our customers and thanks them for bringing issues to our attention. We take security seriously at Xbox and fix the issues as soon as we learned about that it. And then... Christopher will receive four games, $50, and a year-long subscription to Xbox Live from Microsoft. But this wasn't nice. his... Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is. And here's one more thing. This wasn't his first hack. So his father says that he by bypassed his cell phone toddler lock on the home button when he was just one year old. Oh, boy. I wonder what kind of hacks he's going to do next. I was going to say, it probably didn't do any good to put, like, uh, wall socket plugs in there to try to keep him from electrocuting himself. He'd probably just pull them out anyway. <laughs> yeah, kind of <laughs> like that. All right. Um, Back to you. Thank you. Tetris played on a 29-story building. On this past Saturday, April 5th, two skyscrapers in the greater Philadelphia area were converted into a 29-story Tetris video game. The Drexel University Gaming Department wired up the hundreds of exterior LED lights already embedded in the north and south sides of the Sierra Center building and allowed people to play, game, play the game Tetris on what was essentially a 100,000-square-foot TV. Players stood about a half a mile away and used old-style game controllers to play. That's Even, amazing. <laughs> that'd be kind of fun, you know? Yeah, play a game <laughs> on the side of a building. Yeah, apparently they had a uh, 
had a lottery before that. Everybody was sending their names for a couple of weeks, and then they picked 100 winners, and they all came down to play. Sweet. So that's kind of fun. It was all part of uh, Philly Tech Week, which is a celebration of technology and innovation in the in the city area. And the year before, they had a giant game of Pong on the side of a different building. It, uh, it set the Guinness World Record for the largest architectural video game display. Who knew they kept that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would like to play with one of those things. Yeah, so I guess you can chalk up another huge win for the game of Tetris. All right, that's it for that. Tiffany? Okay. So... Now, the five tips to make your website convert more visitors. Now, here's today's five tips. One, keep it simple. You shouldn't be really cramming your graphics. And obviously, if it's cluttered, people are not going to like seeing that website too much on the eyes. And two, obviously, post great content. You want content that's kind of relevant to your company and that kind of sells itself. And that's relevant to the consumers. And, of course, add engaging elements. It's not going to be like the bouncing ball or anything. More like what you're showing them what the price is on your products or do like a little slideshow maybe on the rooms that they might get. Might be some examples of a more engagement. Or maybe a form that could require some engagement. And then four... A clear call to action. Practically, you want your message to be clear and make sure it's right there. As in, sorry, I kind of had a brain block. Well, try to display visual cues and try to get the desired action you want. And, of course, finally, test the website. Testing is very important because... Your website may look good on your computer, but on someone else's it may look like trash. And you may not your graphics may not work as you think they should. So that's very important. Anything you got for me, Rich? So we'll, so you're you're thinking like a lot of white space or would no, be a good idea for think... that or I mean it it would keep it simple. I don't know. Does that True, but I don't think you want so much it's kind of like a canvas, I guess. You don't want too much white space, but I guess you kind of want to keep make sure the colors are a bit simple, I guess. Not too bright or rainbow-like. Rainbow-fied. So it doesn't look like a three-year-old put it together? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's what I was trying to say. All right. Back to you, Rich. All right. How color affects you? What science reveals. Someone asks you, what is your favorite color? Or you're clothes shopping and you're trying to choose between one of several colors of the same type of shirt. How do you answer? How do you choose? How does your brain process colors? In his fascinating lecture series, How Color Affects You, What Science Reveals, Professor William Lidwell explains how information is received by the brain through the eyes, how color affects the interpretation of this information, as well as the resulting thoughts, emotions, and actions. Color affects taste. 
In his first lecture, Professor Lidwell set up a taste test comparing four identical gelatins differing only in color. Something like this happened to me a while back. I was at a shopping mall uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and, uh, we, and we were stopped and asked if we wanted to be part of a candy taste test. And we thought, cool, let's do it. So uh, it sounded like fun, and we get free candy, and we get a ten, each get a $10 gift certificate. So we thought, all right, let's do it. Well, that's a sweet deal. No, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, in the testing room, we were separated. And in front of me were, were placed uh, five pieces of candy. Uh, one was red, one was yellow, one was uh, green, one was blue, and one was purple. They asked me to try each and then to describe to them how each of them tasted. I tried the, I tried the, first, the red one, and it, and it was sweet, like cherry. The yellow one, I said, tasted like lemon. The third was a bit, bit tangy and tasted like sour apple. The fourth one, I said, kind of tasted industrial or something, and then I didn't really care for it. And the purple one, I said, tasted like grape-flavored grape, grape Kool-Aid. Afterwards, they told me that the uh, candies were made of the same material and had no taste. The only difference between the candies was the color. Wow. And I'm like, what? That can't be right. I tasted these differences that I explained to them, you know. They told, they told me the taste I experienced was induced by the color of the candy. <clears throat> After the experiment, I met up with my girlfriend, who was clearly upset by the experiment, and we left commiserating about how they were either lying to us or that they had just plain messed up their experiment. We tasted what we tasted. The, yeah, well... Like in some bakeries, usually they use like red or pink. I know that kind of induces a bit of hunger. I know that. And yellow, more like a warning. And black, like luxury or dark. White, more like pure. Like relation with those colors to some sort of meeting. I imagine that's what the cooks have in mind. Yeah. <laughs> get that across to you. Mm. Well, anyway, uh, the same thing that happened that happened to my girlfriend and me is what happened to the testers in uh, Lidwell's gelatin experiment. The testers did not believe the experimenters when they were told that the only difference between the gelatins was that the, was that the color was the only difference. And this held true regardless of the age of the group doing the testing. Adults didn't believe it. Teens didn't believe it. And not even kids or babies believed it. Yeah, they tested kids, and the kids didn't buy it either. <laughs> so the professor concluded that, quote, we taste with our eyes long before we taste with our mouths, unquote. Color has a strong influence on our brain and how it determines how something should taste. In another experiment, the professor showed how mate selection is also affected by the brain's interpretation of color. In this experiment... Three women were presented to three men. Each of the women was presented three times, each in one of three different shirt colors, red, blue, and black. The males rated the attractiveness of the women in each of the shirts based on a point scale. Well, based off of the last experience, I think that the, the only change here is the woman that changed the shirts, and there's no three women. 
Is there? Yeah, there's three. Yeah, there's three different women, and each of them had or displayed the shirts. Oh. So there were like nine situations. Okay. So, anyway, uh, the results of the experiment showed that the women in the blue shirts scored significantly lower than they did in the red or the black shirts. I know that when I watched the experiment, I realized that I had unconsciously dismissed the women in the blue shirts before I even knew where they were going with this experiment. So I thought that was kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. The lesson from this experiment is that if a woman wants to appear attractive, wearing blue color clothing is not the best choice. In mate selection, blue can cause the same woman to be less attractive than she would be in either red or black. In the professor's other five lectures, the colors are discussed separately. He talks about black and white together, red, yellow, green, and blue. For each color, he discusses commonly held myths about color, as well as what the colors actually do mean in different contexts. He also discusses the uses and strategies to effectively put the use of color into practice. Examples he gave are designing a website, painting a room, or choosing what to wear to an interview or on a date. Yeah, and red and black are definitely the good colors to go for. For dating. Yeah. <laughs> the painter uh, Mark Rothko was a famous painter of abstract multiforms. He was able to communicate basic human emotions through his paintings. People would actually break down and cry in front of his paintings. The professor promises that in these lectures, we will learn to use the same tools and tricks that Rothko had used intuitively, but in many more areas than just painting. So if you're considering a career in web development or you're working in building effective ads, this lecture called How Color Affects You, What Science Reveals by Professor William Lidwell is one you cannot afford to miss. And that's that, so back to you. All right, next, a report on the impact of social media. So, there is the B2B report, which B2B is business to business, which was conducted by Diana Hoff of DH Communications and Co-Marketing Associates. There were only 175 respondents which is very low for a report and includes C-level executives, managers, and other professional types. So here are some of the statistics of this. So the social media's impact on the buying process, only 6% said a lot, 30% it's important but not a deal breaker, 26% are neutral, and 37% say it's not a factor. As for the information that people want to see on a vendor on a homepage, 90% is on the products and services. 61% is what the site's about or about the company. And 37% is on the materials, collateral, and then 36% on the testimonials. And only 24% look for the social media buttons. And 22% look for the blogs. So really, they, when somebody goes out to their website, they're looking for 
what do you got for me? Or do you have what I need? And what and how do you do it, basically? Yeah. So if you, so if you get that across, you're making them happy. Yeah, so it seems like social media isn't so effective. However, 85% of buyers polled said that Blockhouse does help establish a vendor's credibility. And 49% of the 174 respondents claim they do not have do not use a smartphone to look for a business-to-business products or services. And 18% didn't know what responsive is when it comes to a responsive website. Oh, wow. Are they just, were they asking people in the field or just anybody? Well, on here, they were asking C-level executives, includes C-level executives, managers, directors, and other professional types. So I would think more like in companies and business So related. people that should know. <laughs> yeah. I think even if they, if they didn't know, they wouldn't sign up for a, an interview. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm finished with that article, and now it's back to you. All right. Uh, trends in web development for 2014. Uh, here are some that are expected to continue for web development and design. First of all, to no one's surprise, content is king. To anyone who has been in the NWTC web pro- development program for more than a few weeks, this is no surprise. Content is and in the foreseeable future will be, the first and foremost consideration when developing websites. There may be some debate on whether or not it should be adapted to the device that is accessing the site, but almost all agree that content should be the main concern. Uh, Number two, simplify the design, interaction, and content. Simplicity is the new paradigm. It'll help us to make content accessible, and readable on the greatest possible number of devices and still give users the best possible experience. And number three, traditional websites will adopt mobile design and methods. Because of the trend towards simplification, traditional websites will continue to adopt aspects of current mobile apps. Uh, The interfaces offer simpler and more efficient user experience. There's also a trend towards the use of flatter colors and simpler images, and away from complicated color combinations and patterns, as well as the use of realistically drawn images. All of this may take the industry towards a more unified look between desktop and mobile designs, and possibly towards a single web version for all devices. They will never be exactly the same, but the movement should should eventually help to simplify things for both the users and the developers. Huh. Most of the things that you kind of talked about is kind of related to the five tips to make your your website convert more visitors. Well, my topic. So when it comes to mobile design, well, from what I learned here in NWTC, it's not going to be exactly the same as your regular page on a desktop. I mean... It's always going to be different. I mean, it's a completely different setup than what is on a laptop. Well, since this seems to be the trend, then uh, maybe people should have been listening to your tips when you were telling them if they weren't listening. Yeah. (laughs) Because it sounds like everybody else already is. Yeah, true. All right. And with that, it's back to you. 
All right. Now for my final topic is smartphones beating TV. There was a report that's been released by Millward Brown. There were 12,000 respondents from 30 countries, and 444 people are from the U.S. So, basically, the survey says that they spend 147 minutes on the television, 103 minutes on the laptop, 43 minutes on the tablet, and a whopping 151 minutes on the smartphone. And I believe this is from just the U.S. portion of this survey. And, of course, 41% of the U.S. TV audience are simultaneously using a smartphone device. So people that are watching TV are probably doing, are looking at their phones. So there's probably two terms that you should understand. Stacking, which is looking at unrelated content, or meshing. The exploring of related content or taking some kind of action tied to the content. An example of meshing would be from that Super Bowl commercial with the tweeting. If you know what I mean, Rich. Well, oh, right. Yes, I remember that. So, <clears throat> here are several forms of stacking. So, 43% of the stackers kind of said it's to fulfill time during the ad breaks while they're watching the TV. And then 38% said to keep up with friends on social media, which is not related to the show. And 21% says, I don't, mind find, I don't find TV interesting enough to give it my full attention. And then 36% said, I'm primary watching TV. I just have it on for background noise. So they're not watching TV, they're kind of having it for the background noise, the white noise. And 30% say, when someone else has chosen, a t- chosen what's on TV, and I'm not really interested. And 26% say that I'm busy and have other things that need to get done. So some people may not have the enough time to. So most people do the stacking, which is lurching for non-related content if you didn't listen to what I said before. Now let's move on to meshing. So, 21% say for more information about what's on TV, which is like sports scores, characters, bios, and 14% say to discuss what I'm watching with other people, which is with, through social media, of course. 13% say to interact what's happening on TV, and 12% say to follow up on a TV ad, like the Super Bowl commercial with all the money and tweeting. And again, meshing is when you're searching for related content. Just want to be sure you get that in your heads. But there's a catch, though. However, even though smartphones have more minutes, the TV is more favorable. And pays at least some attention to, more than the laptop, smartphone, or tablet. And as for spending, people spend for an ad or something on TV is $68.5 billion. And as 
for the smartphone and tablet business industry, $13.1 billion. So what do you think about this information I'm giving you, Rich? When you're talking about meshing, it reminded me of the time I invited my kids over to watch a movie at my place. And uh, about three minutes into the movie, I'm really into this, and I'm looking around to see if they're watching. All three of them were on their phones. They're all texting. <laughs> they're all sitting there about banging the on the keyboard. I don't know what they were texting about. I don't think so. I think their friends were just texting them and stuff like that. And I'm sitting there, sitting there thinking, well, maybe we should just watch a different movie. I mean, if, they're not gonna, if, they, if they really hate it that much that they're watching their phones, they're like, no, 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 this is great, Dad. This is great. We so do this anyway. So you don't know if your kids were stacking or meshing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get into that kind of detail. <laughs> so that's kind of when I first learned about it. I'm like, okay, just because they're not riveted to the, to the screen like I am doesn't mean they're not enjoying it. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, um, let's see. Then I've got uh, Google Sites offers automatic uh, mobile rendering. There's an interesting feature that has been a part of Google Sites uh, for a while now. Uh, by simply clicking an option, your sites will automatically fit better and your elements will automatically align better on mobile screens. Google Sites is a web creation page tool offered, by, offered as part of the Google Apps Suite. Its goal is for anyone to be able to create a team-oriented <coughs> excuse me, site where multiple people can collaborate and share files. By clicking the uh, Automatically Adjust Site option on the Manage Site menu, the sites you create will be more readable on mobile size screens. In Google Sites, you can see the results of a in a preview mode that will give you an idea of how this feature will affect the look of your page while it's still in development mode and before you actually move it out to production someplace. Uh, the enhancements include such features as alignment of the page header layout, horizontal navigation with drop-down links, and uh, adjusting the width to match the width of the device. Hey, anything that makes sites easier to use on mobile devices has to be a good thing. Yeah, especially when people are being on the phones more and more rather than being on computers or laptops. Yeah, and if you're th if you've got a website and you're thinking, "Hey, I wonder what this would look like on a, you know, if I wanted to put it out on a on a phone, on a mobile phone. How could I mess with it? Here you can do it very simply without investing a lot of time." That's cool. Good for a web developer. Yeah, for a web developer, right? So, you're listening to Inspect Element. Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, Elvis Presley. Good music never dies. You're listening to TC Campus Connection. Are you always the last to know about the newest internet trend? Feel like you're always falling behind on web news? And check out Inspect Element. Inspect Element is WebD2's exciting new internet radio show that keeps up with all the biggest web and technology news so that you don't have to. Check Inspect Element podcast out on iTunes or catch it on NWTC's own radio, TC Campus Connection. 
Confused about how life's supposed to work when you're not allowed to be browsing the internet? Why not try a little radio until you can get back to looking at pictures of cats? Let TC Campus Connection help get you through your day. My name is Rich. And my name is Tiffany. And this has been Inspect Element. That's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time for more topics on web development and design. This was Inspect Element, wishing you a smooth ride down the road of web development and design. Brought to you by WebD2. Check out TC Campus Connection's best technology talk show, Inspect Element. Inspect Element keeps you up to date on all the latest internet and technology trends to make sure that you stay on the cutting edge. Check out Inspect Element podcasts on iTunes or catch NWTC's own radio, TC Campus Connection. Hey, are you looking for some chill tunes to get you through your afternoon? Check out the Good Vibe Station on TC Campus Connection. It plays every Tuesday from 1.30 to 2.30, and you'll hear a little bit of everything, all while remaining totally relaxed. Tune in to Good Vibes this Tuesday. Want to listen to something new? Go with the old school. TC Campus Connection is the only place to fill those classic craves. Remember, classic is where it's at.